Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Well, sort of Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Jim Weber's here. Steve Ronaldo's out combing his hair somewhere. We're not sure where, but uh, I'm sure... You know, somebody said that uh, Steve was watching Donald Trump very carefully and seeing if they could maybe go to the same beauty shop or something. You know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. And do yeah. they, you know, get the same guy to do their girl or whoever it is that does, that does their, their hair? hair. Yeah. yeah. Um, the interesting thing is that the Brill Cream Kid is off on another tour. He's headed to Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. Yeah. And uh, he's towing. Does he have his Surrey with the fringe on top? Uh, he's got his Model A. I don't know if it's got fringe on the top or not. <laughs> oh, that's his hairdo. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, yeah. And uh, he's uh, doing that one. And then he comes back. And I think the one in Oklahoma is the Glidden Tour this year. I'm pretty sure. And then he comes back and does the Founders Tour in Ohio. And I'm not sure if he's going to take a car up there or he's going to go. The beautiful thing about these tours is a lot of people go and don't take a car and then there's a lot of people that do and they share yeah all ride together yeah and it's wonderful yeah, yeah so the one i'm looking forward to that i would really love to do next year is the glidden tour in maine oh yeah yeah that would it be this time of year or i hope so yeah, uh, yeah i would think so or maybe september you know after most of the tourists have gone um Talking about Maine, I was gone. You did a, a museum in Maine uh, that uh, the, you had mentioned to me at one time, and the gentleman there. Well, we did the one in, in uh, uh, coal land transportation. We we did that one. That was one of the first ones we did. Yeah, and then the one uh, Seal Cove, Maine, Roberto yeah. Rodriguez. Right, right. He, he was great. He has an interesting website that lists five or six automobile museums in Maine. And what a great family vacation you could build around the museum tour, plus, obviously, all the other beautiful things about Maine that people could do. We, we, we were up there Thanksgiving... Um the week before Thanksgiving, or five, right. coming up to Thanksgiving, and uh, of course, my wife's from Connecticut, and had I, I had been to Maine, but it was when I was uh, extremely young. Um, that was back when it was horse and carriage and all that. Time, you know. Me too. Uh, so, but it was gorgeous, and we we just. Um, missed the first big snow and i mean we were just a day ahead of it we right. got back to boston it was snowing and sleeting a little bit but we got out of the, got out and got back it was thanksgiving day as a matter of fact and we came back into atlanta but it, it was just gorgeous up there and um there are only a, a couple of museums that stay open even year round the rest of them close uh Mm-hmm. Generally, the first of November or the end of right. October, and then they don't reopen until uh, 
till uh, early would be April, and most of them are waiting till May to reopen. Yes, yeah, but, but that, it is gorgeous. And it, you know, if either one of us had grandchildren, that'd be a great way to go. Is oh yeah, because you, you, you could take them to the beach. Although the beaches are a little rocky there, yeah. but you could do some tours and see some lighthouses. But that's the beautiful thing about car museums is you get some entertainment and you get some historical information from it. And it's the thing we should do with the children. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, and I haven't figured it out, We've got, we went to uh, several museums. Oh, I say several. We went to like uh, three or I guess four museums while we were there. And um, uh, a couple, you know, well, we won't even go into that. We, I, I haven't figured them out yet, but uh, but uh, Mr. Rodriguez did a heck of a job, and and uh, that's that's exactly what we're going to do today is review some of the museums that we've talked to. Uh, we opened one, and I hear from them all the time. The Kansas City Museum. Yes. Um, they had just opened uh, a few months before right. we interviewed them. Yeah. And uh, they're obviously doing very well. You know, it's like everything else, Jim. The you know, you can talk to some of these museums and the curators and the managers or whatever, and um, they're quick to bring out the violins. <laughs> you know, about, well, we're just a poor little museum, and, you know, we can't. But the ones that are aggressive and do promotions, and, and, I, and I don't mean sawed-off promotions. I mean, do a, do events. A, events, yeah. Right. That's a dial. That's and a much better word. And, and, and share the museum with with car people. Yeah, and let people know about them. Right. They do very well. Yeah. And uh, it's the others that, well, we're here. Come see us. Yeah. And they sit there and wait for the door to open. Yes, yes. Um, the, the thing that uh, also I have found this year is the broad spectrum of museums and we get into it like the Tampa Bay Auto Museum he had built a replica of that 1700 French armored carrier with the huge kettle on the front and I I can't think of the name of it now this is the problem this morning I'm having old people's uh, problems anyway oh, that's because you're old yeah <laughs> is that what it is um, I, I can diagnose that. I, I, it's, I think you've given it to me. <laughs> yeah, I have. Anyway, well, we've had some incredible, uh, and, and I, if you don't mind, I'm going to go down the list a little bit. I, I may miss a couple, but I'm, I'm just going to do the ones that kind of jump out at me, and if I miss one, come back and tell me about it, David, if you would, please. Sure. Um, the Barber Museum. In Birmingham, Alabama, that's probably the largest collection of motorcycles in the world with the most beautiful racetrack, and he does have some vintage sports cars. It's not antiques. His motorcycles are, and he, George Barber has shown these motorcycles all over the world. When the Metropolitan Museum of Art had a big motorcycle display years ago, he contributed most of the motorcycles to it. They also did that same motorcycle show in uh, Las Vegas, hmm. and I had the opportunity to see it there, too, and it's incredible. You know, as you're going down the list, one thing that it seems to have, and, and this is something if you're a grandparent, 
uh, and you're taking your grandchildren or, or your kids, whatever. And correct me if, if you or tell me if you disagree. But the thing that I, that sort of stands out to me, we we've talked to a lot of museums. I think about forty museums now. That, oh, at and, least. And uh, we we have, you know. It would be easy to say that a classic car museum is a classic car museum is a classic car museum. But even if they have the same Model T or the same Model A or the same this or the same that, then you dig just, you just peel back one layer of the onion and find out the history behind that car. And that's as, as interesting as, as seeing the car itself. Well, and it's of all these museums we've done they all have a distinct personality mm-hmm. and i'll i'll kind of mention that as as we go through the list today uh, and as i i already stated about the barber museum it's a motorcycle museum but it's from the 1890s through today but he's also got a formula 1 ferrari that john surtees drove and he's got lotus. He's probably got one of the larger collections of lotuses in the country. But George has an entertainment factor in that museum because it's like a five-story building that's open. The architecture is phenomenal, and they hold events every year. They hold a big motorcycle event in October, and they hold a bunch of sports car races at the racetrack. And the racetrack's got a lot of sculpture around it. Now, that's an unusual or or unique museum from that aspect. But here's another one that just kind of popped out. Uh, The Simeon Museum Foundation in Philadelphia. He drives his cars. He has on Saturday, some certain Saturdays, they take cars out of the museum. They don't run them around fast, but he's got a large parking lot. And he gets them running and drives them. That's beautiful. And he shares this with with the public. Um, The one that really I thought was interesting was the Tupelo Museum. And the fact that Toyota has a plant there, and that's where they build a Corolla. And they have kind of put together a relationship with Toyota that the Toyota factory people that work in the factory there, they hold events there for them. They've held press events. They've held model introductions there. And they've gone out and found one of the oldest Toyotas sold in the United States and brought it to the museum. And I think, what, if they had two or three weddings in their museum, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's... of course, your favorite deal. <laughs> My favorite question. Well, it's the only technical question you yeah. let me ask. So. Yeah, we're kind of afraid to ask if there have been any funerals. Yeah. At them. <laughs> Although we yeah, have one funeral director that has a museum. That's true. Yes. That's true. We yeah. just visited with her last uh, couple of weeks. Twice, ago. yeah. Twice. We, 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 yeah. What a sweet lady. Um, it, it's, it's that kind of personality. And it, it's like the museum in Arkansas that used to be part of the Rockefeller Collection. And now it's a private entity. You know, you just mentioned something that spurred a thought. Um, Uh-oh. Well, you know, it, it's uh, the people that we've talked to that have wanted to be on the show, wanted to be interviewed, and, and I hope we've done them some good. I, I think the numbers uh, 
are there. We've, we've certainly let people know that the museums were there. But you, you mentioned, you know, each personality, each museum has a personality. But I want to go one step further. And, and this is sort of like you could get into fine art. You can get into classic cars and the museums. But the museums that were privately held, like Simone or whatever, um, they not only do they have a personality, but the, the person that built the museum or owns it today or whatever has to be and is a very sharing person. Yes. and Because they invite people, and, and there's no way that a little kid ain't going to touch a car at some point or the other, sneak <laughs> under the rope or whatever. But the, the owner, they're very sharing. Now, on the same token, you get, and, and this I don't understand. I guess if you're narcissistic or you're an egomaniac or you're very selfish, that you have 50 or 100 cars only for yourself. And you have this big garage, uh, you know, uh, there are the superstars that, that have the big uh, car collections and all this. But only some of their close friends, and and they never share it with the public. They they that's well, uh, yes, I I guess that's you, I I can see that in some some of those collections. Though the thing is, these cars today are, are some of them are worth millions. I mean, sure. there was a two fifty LM Ferrari that sold for seventeen million dollars in Monterey a few weeks ago. And most have you seen that in my garage? It looks good. Uh, it, it does it. Yeah, it yeah. looks real good. You're holding except it out that, on me. Except for that two or three drops of paint from that broken paint can. <laughs> oh, jeez, you're <laughs> killing me. But you get. I think there's very few of those, David. Well, and I, and I, I I bring that up because I know there's some private collections that open their doors on a limited basis, and. It's kind of hard to draw the line, you know, when you want to do a family thing. And let, let's talk about it after the break. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You know, you're listening to America's Web Radio. This is probably uh, 
the number two car show in the in the country. I might be number one, but we'll we'll settle for number two. I don't know who the others people are. But. Well, there's a lot of them on television, but you, well, that, uh, you yeah. and I have a face for radio. Yeah, well, who, who watches television? Nobody. Uh, Where you're on? I am. Yeah. I know, but most people. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing that kills me about you being on uh, Ustream and, and us doing this is that it's really getting expensive. And we will take donations uh, for the makeup artist to dull the, the glare off of uh, Mr. Weber's forehead. So well, let's, let's, we do take donations. All right, let's go back and talk about uh, private collections. There are some private collectors who will take their cars to large shows. Uh, there's a big show that used to be in uh, called Meadowbrook, which is now at St. John's in Plymouth, Michigan. And Bruce Meyer has quite a collection of cars, and he took a lot of his cars from L.A. out to that show. But here's another thing, David. Because of the time frame of our shows, we don't do any West Coast interviews. And you've got the Peterson Collection in, in L.A., I've been to that. You, you've got the LeMay collection up in Seattle or Tacoma area. And there are others out there, that uh, the Blackhawk collection in Danville, California. And those museums, some of them are open limited hours. Some of them are open for quite a lengthy period of time. And some of the private collectors will loan their cars to those museums. Bruce Meyer does that with his his uh, private collection of cars. So there is some accessibility to those. Uh, the thing that I want to talk about more today, though, is the kind of thing we found. Like, last week was a muscle car museum. That had, had and, the and, yeah, and, and of course he's seventy four years old, and and he wants to sell his museum now. But the thing about it is, he's had cars there that I can relate to as a kid. Sure, that were famous drag racers. That were these things that they built copo cars, central office production orders at GM or something that went out the back door. There were 12 of them, and they were all aluminum and the altered wheelbase and the whole goofy stuff. And the funny cylinder heads that nobody else knew about. (laughs) That kind of stuff. (laughs) So I guess NHRA never had templates like NASCAR. (laughs) But the entertainment factor of listening to him. Oh, yeah. And his cars aren't antique cars like pre-war cars, and I'm talking either pre-World War II or pre-World War I, where pre-World War I were brass cars. But it's it's the entertainment factor of all these. And I, I want to go back to the Tupelo Museum for a minute, because that museum was in existence before Toyota built that plant in Tupelo. And it's interesting of how they kind of blended plant and Toyota together and integrated it into their museum. And I thought, what, they have one or two weddings there? I know they had a huge party and they had to have tents outside because the museum would overflow capacity for the number of people. And that, that goes into the events we were talking about at the same time there. And some of these guys go to cars and coffee type thing on Saturday morning, like 
we do around here, only we go to Panera till we get kicked out of that one and go to the <laughs> next one. But the and and Fred Simeone does his driving events on Saturday at his museum and his cars are accessible. So how do I put it? You've got all these different eclectic museums with different types of collections and themes. And then you go into the broad-based one, like the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn. You know, i, I got to address Simeon um, for one second, in that it's doctor. He's a very well-known doctor. Uh, neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon, yeah. yeah. Very, very well-known. And in my talking to him pre-show, he said, just call me Fred. <laughs> you know, here here's a guy that's... Well, yeah, Pat Swagger, the yeah. oldest car museum. I mean, she's married the second generation, and she's, what, in her 80s now? And it's just, call me Pat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> she got mad at us for calling her Mrs. Swagger. And, and the, but the personality of the people, and it's like uh, Roberto Rodriguez up in Maine. Oh, yeah. His <laughs> pedigree, you might say? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And uh, the Tampa Museum, when we when it, we interviewed them, and, I, of course, you know, the old uh, memory is, is shot anymore. But, you know, it's, it's like I said earlier, though, Jim, uh, it's not only the people... But the cars and the reason that they collected that certain car, they were looking for that certain car. Right. They wanted to add that certain car to their collection. And, you know, th- th- this, is, this is what kills me today is I don't know if you could pick up a, a school history book and really find out anything about the automotive industry, if it's even mentioned. World War II is barely mentioned in, in many history yeah. books. Yes. And, and you know, again, like I said, you go to a museum, and it's not a Model A is a Model A. It's who owned that Model A and what they may have done with it. They, did they cross the United States in it? Did they carry their, you know, was this a doctor's car that made house calls? Or, you know, what is the history? Not only is it... Is it the classic car, but what's the history that goes with it? Right, right. And, and even some of these people finding cars with, what, like uh, like the gentleman from um, uh, last weekend, uh, the muscle car, finding a car with 12,000 miles on it? Yes, yes. It's just flabbergasted. By the way, let me ask you, when did they start putting odometers on cars? Oh, I'm going to guess the 20s. And that's a guess. So anything prior to that, you really don't have to know. But then again, they weren't going very far, really. No, Uh, Yeah, I mean, to go from Roswell to downtown Atlanta was an all-day trip. Yeah. (laughs) Still is. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) all it is now. (laughs) But, I mean, that's 30 miles. And they were two-lane dirt roads. I mean, when was the Lincoln Highway built? Think, think about that. That was a quite a deal. The Pennsylvania Turnpike. When was that? Anyway, exactly what you're saying. The history around the motorcycles that, that were in the 19th century, uh, 18, late 1800s. Right. All history, and and this is something that 
We have to take our kids to. Well, and I'm going to talk a minute about World War II, and we talked about um, A.J. Bame's book, Arsenal of Democracy, and how Detroit became, instead of the auto industry, the arsenal of democracy, and they were spitting out bombers. They revolutionized the production of aircraft and the, the contributions it made to this country. And you, you think about that, and then, and I'm, I'm kind of really getting a little off track, but right after the war, we converted back and mechanized the country again for us with passenger cars and trucks. It's just, it's amazing. And then you, you, you come to today, and a car today is so much different. And it was quite an event to prepare a car in the 20s to go on a trip. Today, you just put the key in the ignition and look at the gas gauge and think, okay, and none of the warning lights are on, let's go. No check engine light on, I guess, and no tire pressure monitoring system light on. So I guess we can go now. <laughs> Must be good to go. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are no bad cars today when you think about it. I mean, the, the, the bad cars are the cars with poor quality, but they still have more durability than they ever did. And, and that, I, I'm getting away from the museums. I want to go back to the museums. Um. You can go into a museum, and I'll use for example, well, let's just take the Swigert Museum. She's got everything from 1904 up through the late 50s, early 60s. In fact, she might have a few later uh, automobiles. But you can see a whole evolution of the product. I mean, there's used to be a hand crank. There was no electric start. There were no front-wheel brakes. Now there's four-wheel disc brakes and automatic transmissions. There weren't any back then. There are now. And, in fact, now the transmission is programmed with the engine for either performance or fuel economy, and you can push a button on half these cars. So you, you go back through windshield wipers. There's another thing. <laughs> Which sounds simple, but... Yeah, headlights. Rear windows, and then heated rear windows, mm-hmm. and then heated rear windows with wipers mm-hmm. back there. So there, there's so many things. That but, uh, and what you're talking about is the evolution of the automobile history, and it's history from uh, two years ago, three years ago, yeah. five years ago. Yes. And not only history, but to think of the way they used to do it, on the drawing board, and now it's all a CAD system, you know. Well, now they don't even make prototype parts anymore because yeah. you've got a 3D printer. The Auburn Cord Duesenberg Museum in Auburn, Indiana, has an absolute working engineering section from the factory. And guys used to stand at the boards. Mm-hmm. And do the drawings. And now you just kind of get in a computer with CAD and boom, you spit it out and 
it comes out of the 3D printer and it may be made in epoxy or plastic, but then you take and, and digitize it and you do the tooling and you got a part. And you got a part. With that being said, we're going to take our second break. I uh, hope you're enjoying this uh, reminiscent uh, show about museums and auto museums. And, the, you know, please, if you're a grandparent, get your grandkids and go to a museum. An auto museum. Uh, I think one thing we skipped over today, Jim, is is and I bang on the table and beat my head against the wall. But the reality of it is, cars made America. Chevy saw the USA in a in a Chevrolet. <laughs> but the fact is, as large as the United States is, we couldn't have done what we've done without the car. Yes. Yeah. So with that being said, we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Michael Gano with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, I'm not going to be And we're uh, back on the show. <laughs> we are. We are. We are. The, the mics are open. And, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, we didn't, we didn't hear what you said about... No, no, <laughs> um, no, I just mentioned the Auburn Card Duesenberg Museum, and you could go in and see a working 1930s engineering department upstairs in the museum. Well, also... Right behind the museum is the National Truck Museum. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, right there in Auburn, Indiana, there's a couple that you can go. Kalamazoo, Michigan, the Gilmore Museum, they've got a Model T driving school because we I were just it's... talking about, you know, yeah. hand cranks. And the and it's just, it's absolutely that one 
will knock your socks off. And the reason why I say that is they've got a Model A working dealership in there of like what it used to be. And that, to me, has got to bring back some memories. It's like the guy in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. He's in the Studebaker Wagon Factory. Yeah. And he set up an old millinery shop and an old barber shop and two other things in there. It's just the kind of things you... Automobiles, you're, you're right. Automobile, actually cars and trucks, really defined America. And it's it's amazing when you go to these places and you see the different cars and the uniqueness of a lot of them and the history behind it because a lot of it's gone now. You know, you, you just rung another bell. Uh-oh, here we go. But it, it's... And I, I can't address Australia or Britain or France or anything else. I can only address what the little bit of information I have and know. But we were the we were the engineering hub of so many things, answering the needs. I was thinking of uh, as you were talking, and we haven't had them on, but we ought to, I'll, I'll call and see if we can't get them on. Uh, Murphy Refrigerated uh, Trucking where they made the, the need was ice Heaven forbid, ice was melting in the back of the the regular pickup or the regular truck. Right. So what do we do? We make a refrigerated truck. We yeah. make a first. It was with insula- insulation, and then it was with a refrigerator unit. And I, I think of all the countries in the world, there's none in history, in my opinion, that can touch the United States for when there was a need. We answered the need, and that's so true in, in the automotive industry and in the trucking industry. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is the fact that our geography is so extensive. I mean, look mm-hmm. how big this country is. And, and not only big, but it ain't flat. No. So how do we get up that mountain? Yeah, and then the climate's so different. Mm-hmm. So you've got all of that, and, and we've been able to adapt. Um. Yeah, we wouldn't have ice cream delivered today. That's right. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Yeah, have melted ice cream. But it, it's, I was just saying, you know, they re they re geared the the rear the rear ends so they could do different things. They they redid the transmission so they could have more demand. They upped the horsepower, or you know, whatever it was, there was a need. And can you imagine, literally, the transition in? Uh, you name it, town in Texas or Oklahoma or any place, that the conversion from the livery stable, blacksmith shop, they were the ones that became the car mechanics. Yes. Yeah. What a history, you know? Yeah. Go, uh, go it, find that in a history book today. No, no. You, well, you can't find anything about the Industrial Revolution either, probably. In so this that's, country. that's why grandparents have got to take the bull by the horns or the kids by the hands, whatever, mm-hmm. and take them to these museums. Um, I remember my grandparents talking, and they had a neighbor, and 
she used to talk about having to take boiling water out and pouring it on the Model T engine so they could get it started so her son could go off to, to school every day. I'll give you one, and this was my parent, my mother, when she was younger, or before she and my dad were married, but my grandfather owned Dr. Pepper plants in New Mexico, and so every two or three weeks he would drive over to check on uh, on his Coca-Cola plant, or Dr. Pepper plants. And, and I thought this, I, I can remember as a kid when my mother would tell me the story, I'd laugh about it, but the night before they were to leave on a Saturday morning or Friday morning or whatever, the night before they would stack a bunch of extra bricks in the fireplace to warm up so they could have warmth driving over to uh, New uh-huh. Mexico. There were no car heaters. Why didn't you just turn the heater on, Mom? (laughs) Well, and on top of that, I still remember as a child in the front seat of my grandfather's car. I I don't remember. I think it was a Dodge or Plymouth, but it was pre-war. And there was a rope across the back of the front seat, and the car blanket hung there. Yeah. And now this car had a heater in it. But if you sat in the back seat, apparently you need, it was beneficial to you to have a blanket. So Here's one for you. Uh-oh. 1952. Now, it wasn't that there were no air conditioning, air conditioning units in cars, but they, weren't, they were an expensive option yes. in 1952. Yes. We drove from Lubbock, Texas with grandparents in tow, two kids, my parents, and my grandparents, my mother's parents, in a brand-new Chrysler uh, Deluxe. Uh, what was New Yorker? It? New Yorker Deluxe. Yeah. Without air conditioning Ooh. from Texas to New York. Traveled all over wow. the East Coast in that car. And I can remember my dad, I was only four years old, and I can remember my dad grapping about what they charge for parking in New York and New Jersey. <laughs> we went to the Lions Club convention on the boardwalk in, in New Jersey. In Atlantic City. In Atlantic yeah. City. Wow. And then toured, I mean, we were gone We were gone six, seven weeks. Wow. Uh, which I can't, I can't even imagine taking off for that kind of time. Yes. And, uh, but... You know, we were in a fancy new car without air conditioning. Yes. My God, it had roll-up windows. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, you'd probably get carpal tunnel syndrome today if you had to have roll-up windows. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Um, We didn't know any better. No, and you go to museums today, and you relive this. Sure. And and I'm going to go one step further, Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York, had the Pierce Arrow factory. There's a museum in Buffalo now with Pierce Arrows and, a, and an old gas station from that period of time. And and that is worth seeing. And Buffalo, Jamestown, Cleveland, Detroit, all along there, was the center of industry of automotive. Glenn Curtis lived in in Buffalo in that area. 
and I mean he he was boats and airplanes and 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 automobiles. So. Even gas pumps were more entertaining than what we've got today. <laughs> yeah, today it's you push a button and you try and read the little screen because the sun has <laughs> is frosted. But do you remember the the bubbling thing in the in the gas uh, in, in the uh, no pumps and you and, and some of them you'd see the gas as it was coming down and, yeah. and going in, <laughs> into the hose to you, fill your car. You, you had those in Texas. I guess, but they, now they had a. I've forgotten what it was. It would. It was like we had. A, it would pump it up, and then it was gravity r- right. into your car. Almost. Yeah, yeah. But that was twenties and thirties, wasn't it? Were there still some of those when you there were a kid? There was still some when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, and then uh, the and the, the, and the and some of the museums have these pumps in them now. Yeah, you can yeah. go see them. Which, you know. I'm going to make it mandatory that all grandparents take their grandkids to. a Classic car museum. Yeah, and don't let them walk in with an ice cream cone. No, they might be <laughs> shot on the spot. No, well, I, and some of the museums have a car that you can put the youngsters in and take a picture of them. Let's see. The one, one of the ones, one of the museums that I busted wrench. Oh, in Mississippi. Yes. Do you recall how much they charge for going through their museum? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that was Steve's friend. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Hands is his name. Yeah, and, uh, and down in on the Gulf Coast. So, and that, but you know, here here's another one. Another museum we talked about was the International Towing and Recovery Museum. Yeah. that was at Chattanooga. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and the gentleman that we talked to, if you remember, was from. Yo, you're you're hurting me now. Yeah, Oklahoma, or it may have been from Kansas, and he he was in the towing business, and his son has taken over his business. Right, but he volunteered, so he drives from Oklahoma, I think, or Kansas to, to Chattanooga. To be a dose of, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, is that love of your own industry? Uh, it, it, well, either that or it <laughs> or it's all you need a hobby. <laughs> no, no. Nice guy, and and uh, we respect him for doing that, yeah. setting up that museum. There, there, there's so many nice museums in a area of Pennsylvania too. You've got the Man in Pottsville, you've got the Boyertown Museum, you've got the AACA Museum in Hershey, mm-hmm. and that I wasn't here for that interview, but they have a gentleman left them a complete Tucker display and presentation and what two or three Tucker automobiles David oh, yeah 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 i mean there's a whole story in itself Preston Tucker and trying to build a car after world war 2 and that was probably the first car with a lot of safety features again please if you're listening and you have grandkids or or if you're listening and you have kids and you haven't taken them please Find a museum close to you, and there probably is one close to you. They're not, you know, within 100 miles of you. Well, and wh- why don't you talk, because you've, you've dealt with these people, NAM, the National, National Association, Association of Automobile yeah, Museums. Uh, we're talking yeah. to uh, Terry Ernest. In fact, I've, I owe him an email, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'll try to get that out to him today. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they support, it's a, it's a 501 um, nonprofit but they are the association for most of the museums. There are museums that don't belong to it. 
But we're going to have to get into that after we take our final break. You're listening to America's Web Radio, the classic car show with the classic uh, host, Jim Weber. <laughs> Does classic mean like antique? You're over 50? Vintage. Vintage. Fine wine. Jim <laughs> Weber. We'll be back right after this. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Back on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. Before we get started back into this, uh, you mentioned something else earlier in the show, Jim, that uh, I want to address, and that is the fact that, yes, I realize that there are a ton of museums out on the West Coast from Texas West. And um, because of our time zone and because of some limitations, mainly a body that knows cars, um, we haven't uh, been able to go after it. I don't know why the people on the West Coast don't want to get up at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning to do the show, but they seem to be fairly uh, not I, I wouldn't that. want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to talk <laughs> to me either. <laughs> but, so I'm, I'm asking, if you're in the classic cars and, and you're in the Atlanta area particularly, doesn't have to be, but we need... An associate host would that be a, a way of saying it, or a, yes, a, a West Coast host, or it, it, well, it, it, if we could get somebody in the West Coast area that wants to get up that well, early. they don't even have no, 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 no. I, I'm looking for somebody that will do interviews. They would be pre-recorded. They okay. can do them any time during the day. They all they, it's a matter of calling in on our phone system and uh, lining up a museum anywhere they might be. In fact, you had mentioned that uh, I may get you in here a couple of uh, days uh, when you're when you're free coming up. I'm never um, free, but I'm reasonable. Well, you're reasonable, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if if you're interested in in doing a show like that with us, uh, uh, 
you know, we can do it in the afternoon. We can do it at, at basically anybody's convenience. Uh, but we would like to bring in the, the people on the West Coast. Well, and, and I have been to some out there that are just phenomenal. The uh, Nethercut Museum in Selmar. We better get them quick before California falls into the Pacific. Well, the Mullen Museum I haven't been to yet, but I'd love to do an interview with them. And uh, Peter Mullen shares his cars at, at, at shows. And his is, his is probably the greatest outside of the Schlumpf Museum, which is now the French National Museum. He's probably got the greatest selection or collection of Bugattis in the world. Um, I can just I can go up the West Coast, and there's, there's a, a, a whole bunch of car museums that we could talk about. But let's go back to NAM for a minute. And there's a website that lists all the car museums, correct, David? On NAM or how? Uh, no, well, NAM, it's interesting. NAM obviously only lists their car museum members, right? Car museums. Uh, there's another one called Hubcap Cafe, and, Whoa. and it has uh, probably the best listing of museums across the country. And uh, uh, we appreciate. I've tried to contact them and, and thank them for for uh, their list, but they have. Uh, their websites of most of the museums. They certainly have their telephone numbers and uh, um, a little bit of information, but they have a very, you can type in Hubcap Cafe, Cafe and, and up it comes. Beautiful. I was not aware of that. I thank you. Well, you're welcome. Yes, that, that's, that is nice to know. The bill is in the mail. The <laughs> bill is in the mail. Oh, good Lord. Um, one of the other things, I mean, we joked about weddings and things like that, but I want to talk and just briefly mention it's it's a very limited spectrum museum, but it's a Corvette museum in Bowling Green. It's right by the plant. People can order a Corvette, go there, watch it built, and take delivery in the delivery center. I stop at the little cafe there every once in a while, and there's usually one or two people in there, and the food's not bad. It's it's uh, edible and. Uh, that's a nice museum to stop at, but it's, of course, focused entirely on Corvettes, although once in a while there's something else in there. The General Motors private collection, I'm not sure how you get into that. And then there's another private collection in Naples, Florida, and uh, it was the Collier Museum, and I think it's now known as the Revs Institute. And they they have a beautiful collection of cars. A lot of them were part of the original Briggs Cunningham collection, and they've expanded it. And it's probably I, I'm going to go so far as to say one of the nicest Porsche collections in the world, outside of the Porsche Factory Museum, and. Two others I can think of them, Mercedes Factory Museum. Both of those, of course, are in Germany. And then the the, the Jaguar uh, collection in England, and they have started a uh, restoration service there. Of course, Ferrari Classique, uh, they have their own restoration shops in, in Modena at the factory. So they're all over the world, there, there's car museums. We focus on America, uh, and because I don't think we probably have too many foreign listeners, do we, David? That you know of? Yeah. As a matter of fact, we do fairly well in the UK. Beautiful. Uh, 
I, I'm nothing compared with the, the listenership we have in, in the United States, but uh, we do do fairly well in the, okay. in the you, UK. You know, the other one that, that, and I don't see it on the list here, is the Will St. Clair Museum in Michigan. That was um, St. Clair Shores or somewhere in their Marine City, and maybe I, I've missed it here. Because that, that, of course, I think that is the most beautiful automobile emblem uh, that exists. And I may have missed it. And it, and it, may, it may be known as something other than the Will St. Clair Museum. But that's one that I remember. And, and of course, it's very limited with the simple fact that uh, it features one brand, which was a very small production for a very short period of time but that's one to consider there's there's got to be so many museums and when i get a chance in the next week or two i'm going to go look at the hubcap cafe and and see what i've missed and as i mentioned that the uh cluster of museums in maine well there's got to be a huge cluster of museums in pennsylvania and i'm sure in michigan uh, that that feature classic cars, antique cars, sports cars. There's a British car museum in Dayton, Ohio, that we interviewed. So th- there's so many of them out there, and also in Florida, you've got the guy in Tampa. And uh, were it not for the threat of a hurricane down there, we probably would have done Fort Lauderdale today. So and there's uh, one in Tallahassee. And there's the Revs Institute in Naples, but I'm not sure how accessible that one is. But there's enough that you could do a real hip-hop all over the country. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, too. If if you're going on vacation, why not include that? And it's a good respite. It's a good... Uh, they have bathrooms, so or most of them do anyway, yeah. to our knowledge. Yeah, and uh, it's just a, it's a good stop. Put it on your uh, itinerary and uh, drop into uh, one of the classic car museums. It's just you know, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching, but I'll sound like I'm. <laughs> no, uh, there we you know, go. Uh, what's the old saying about history repeats itself, and. You know, it may not be the car that we know today or the car that was yesterday, but I can you can rest assured that the ingenuity and the car of yesterday is the foundation for what comes tomorrow. And uh, the techno and this sounds crazy, but the technology of the car. If we didn't have the motors, we wouldn't have had the big planes. If we didn't have the big planes, we wouldn't have jets. If we didn't have the jets, we wouldn't be going to space. And so. Or you know, it just—it's an, <laughs> an evolution of things, yes. and an evolution of engineering, an evolution of design, an evolution of 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 man and his ability to think through what can I do to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. How do well, I, I get this car out of the mud? I agree. I agree. It's um, another aspect of it is the restoration shops. And remember, we talked to Pat Swigert about the uh, technical school in Pennsylvania that restored cars. Steve has talked to the school in Kansas. We've talked to the school in Cleveland. 
that has the restoration services. We've interviewed a couple of guys. One was uh, Faye Butler that does training, teaches people how to shape and form metal. Well, you know, along with that, and I didn't realize it. I had no clue. If you're grandson or granddaughter for that matter because we've had a couple of yes, girls on. Yes, we have. Um, are technically or, or mechanically inclined and they don't want to become a doctor or they don't want to go to college for college sake, my goodness, the money that can be made in the restoration business. Be you a painter, a car painter, or be you a mechanic, or be you whatever. Right. It's a great career. Yes. You know? Yes. And people, I, I didn't have any idea what they made. Yeah. So well, it's it, it, it's it, it, it's like McPherson College out in Kansas. It's a four-year college, so you get a four-year degree, mm-hmm. and you can take some business courses besides that. So. In fact, they sort of insist in the first two years. Uh, sort I, of the I core. believe. I believe so. Yeah. I, I, you're testing my memory now, and that's uh, dangerous. Um, I, I have to go back to last week, though, <laughs> when we were talking to Floyd Garrett and uh, his museum with the muscle cars and stuff, and he's got a '62 Corvette that's never been started. <laughs> it's got the Z06 big brake package, and I got a friend in Buffalo that I, I consider the guy on the pedestal. If I ever buy a Corvette, I'm calling Ken and saying, "Hey, I want a solid axle car," and uh, I, I wouldn't do anything without him. He found one with big brakes, which is quite a unique thing to have. And I know I'm digressing and getting away from museums, but. It's all these different aspects of the hobby, and children today, and the and the Xbox generation. No, there's there's no interest. Well, I hope that we've given a lot of people food for thought, and that they will take their grandkids or their kids to a classic car museum. Jim, as always, my thanks for you coming in today. And pleasure. Uh, we will. Uh, be back next week uh, on the Classic Car Show. We thank you for listening. Have a great Labor Day, and we'll talk to you in a week, and then be back for more as we go through the year. Take care.